wiki wiki what's good everybody i am your host kyle loftus welcome to another exciting episode of the festive podcast today i am sitting down with the young gunna himself nathan agan me and nathan had the pleasure of working on a documentary project together um, that'll be soon uh releasing onto amazon uh today we're going to break down the positives and negatives of the project nathan can you introduce yourself to our audience here yeah, so uh, thanks to Kyle real fast uh, bringing me on. So, yeah, pretty much uh, my name is Nathan Egan, like he said. I'm a 20-year-old uh, documentary filmmaker. And um, so, yeah, we started on this project about food trucks. Um, it's called Food Truck Chefs, and um, Kyle worked a lot on it as well. He, sh- he did most of the shooting. Uh, he was a cinematographer for it. And, um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to come on today and talk about, you know, some of the breakdowns for it and how he made it on such a low budget and, um, you know, some of the choices we made and why we made those, so... Hopefully you guys can learn something from it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited to kind of sit down and just kind of work our way through this, you know, because it, it's interesting to take like a backseat perspective, if you will, because most of the time, you know, you're you're kind of like you're locked into the project and you're kind of like locked into this framed mindset of, of how you observe and look at it when you're like part of the process. But like being able to kind of sit back and just like observe, I think is an interesting way to think about it. Um, so like, what would you say have been like the biggest, I don't know if negative is the right word, but, um, what have been some of the biggest challenges you think we've had to face in in making this project? Um, well, definitely the biggest challenge, um, for me was, this was the first, um, film for Amazon. And so, you know, before, um, every film was through YouTube or Facebook and, um, I'm not saying it's like easy doing that, but I'm just saying that there's a lot less things you have to worry about, um, in terms of quality, copyright, um, you know, working with Kyle, we had to really make sure that each interview was just like nailed down perfectly, um, because you don't want a shitty looking shot. Am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah, dude. Okay, as cool. much as you want. Um, yeah, we, <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, we just didn't want shitty looking shots in this documentary. Um, and so, yeah, just trying to make it look as professional as possible and just learning learning along the way. So, yeah. Yeah, man, uh, I definitely agree. I mean, when you're I mean, again, you know, everyone, I think, wants their work to be as as good as it can be. Um, and I think just naturally creatives, we tend to be perfectionists when it comes to our own projects. So, you know, I definitely think there are challenges um, to posting anything online, really. Uh, you know, and, and again, it, part of it is just individually, you know, how much you're committed to making it a great project. Some people just throw on a random track from at Epidemic Sounds. Other people hire a composer and have something original made from scratch, you know. So it varies case to case. But I know definitely for for me personally, you know, and, and helping out alongside this project, uh, you know, that was a huge thing is making sure there was a high level of quality with everything, you know, really making sure that we had great lighting. The composition was attractive. Um, it wasn't just clean and good, but it was, you know, attractive um, to the viewer. Um, what were some of the things you thought um, were difficult to deal with in regards to logistics or more of like the admin work, things that people wouldn't necessarily see from just watching the documentary? I think uh first thing for me was I've never really kind of produced the film I think before um making documentaries before is always like one person so it's very easy to schedule it um but this time around it was it was pretty complicated trying to schedule everyone together you know worry about Kyle's schedule worry about Emma's schedule uh the audio person and um you know worry about the different subjects and they're very busy as well so you have to try to figure out how to fit that all in one like a three-day slot 
especially when you're dealing with rental equipment, you know, you, you have to hit it on certain times. So, and I was also just about to move. So that was just kind of a nightmare with that. But thankfully that all worked out. But um, yeah, also another thing, you know, I think on the technical side is like the sound. I, I like you remember this, like the sound was a very big concern. Um, most of the oh interviews gosh, we did, you know, yeah, yeah like the, the problem is, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, so you pretty much like when you interview people, you kind of want to interview them in a spot where it's like, it actually makes sense um, relative to what they do. And so, you know, if you're doing food trucks, the problem is like, where do you put them? Um, obviously, we can't put them inside because we can't fit a whole crew in there. Um, so we had to put them outside and we had to worry about highway sounds, um, airplanes, everything. And um, but thankfully, we were able to get through that. Um and yeah, so I didn't get a chance after we recorded, but I was wondering, you know, like what the process was like for you, um, just recording, especially recording in um, very tight spaces, like on the food truck. And, you know, keep in mind, this is in Florida um, in summertime. And so it's very hot out here in these food trucks. So I was wondering what that was like for you. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess there's kind of twofold ways to think and, and discuss it. I guess first and foremost, are you speaking more pertaining to the interviews or like capturing B-roll? Because I feel like the scenarios were pretty different. Yeah, let's start with the like B-roll. Like, yeah. So, was there anything that was super challenging for you for that? I mean, B-rolls, uh, especially for like documentary work, is it can be very challenging because there's no staging really. Uh, I mean, some docs yeah. there is. I mean, it depends if you're doing dealing with like reenactments and stuff like that. But that's a conversation for another day. Um, this, you know, we're looking for the reality of like people who own these food trucks, the members who work for the food trucks, like genuinely engaging with their customers and like being passionate and like in the process of making their food. And so that has to be a reality. And so we have to capture the reality. And so, you know, sometimes we were dealing with the fact that like there just wasn't a lot of people at that time of day, like out to get food, you know, and so we don't have a lot yeah. of customer interaction and there's not much you can do to like work around that besides again, like creative problem solving and being like, you know, how can I capture something interesting with what's available to me here and now? And so a lot of it was just like rethinking that. And like, as you mentioned, like the food trucks, they were super small. And so, so like for me, uh, you know, it was very tight. And so there was no way I was ever going to get into the food trucks. And so just knowing that and acknowledging that I knew there was, you know, I had to develop or come up creative, uh, creative problem solve and find ways to get unique and interesting shots. And so, what I did is just found, you know, unique angles to kind of work around. And I guess what a lot of people in the film industry call dirtying the frame is so um, mm. I got a lot of different angles where in the foreground, you're seeing a lot of different textures or elements of the food truck or napkins, things on the exterior. And in the background, you're seeing what's going on in the kitchen. And so I just had to work around a lot with these angles, like through windows or through the doorways, yeah. um, because there's a lot of different points of access. You know, usually there's kind of the front of uh, the food truck. So there's two doors there. There's the doors in the back and there's usually at least one window that's open as well. So I had, you know, windows to get in and get shots, but it's it's really, again, you know, just kind of problem solving and figuring out how to work around there. And so, again, I couldn't get in. And so pretty much I stuck to a 70 to 200 um, lens uh, the entire time. And so that way I was outside the food truck, but I was still able to get like really, really tight, close macro shots of the food as well as like wider Ooh. shots. Um, so I was really able to cover the full spectrum of, you know, the shots we were looking for um, without, you know, interrupting uh, their process of making the food. Um interfering at all uh contaminating the food yeah, that's the hardest part yeah that's like one thing we got to keep in mind is like 
they are like legitimately running their business as we're recording. So we have to respect their space, the customer space, and just not getting in the way, especially when you're on the food truck. That's the hardest part when they're running back and forth trying to like serve customers while also cooking in the back. It's like you got to worry about that. Um, one thing yeah. I definitely really respected with your shooting was um, <laughs> your ability to uh, record people without feeling awkward at all about it. That, that blows my mind. Like for me, uh, whenever I try to record people like straight up to them, I always feel judged or something, <laughs> you know, so that was really cool. <laughs> um, 100%, dude. I mean, that's still like there in the back of my mind. I think it's just... But you just didn't give a fuck. Like you were just, you were just getting those amazing shots. I just I like, care. Damn, I, what ca- a legend. I care so much about the shot, man. Um, I, yeah. I think really, I think a lot of it actually came from my experience working with the Orlando Magic. Um, so mm. originally straight out of college, I was a videographer and editor for them. Um, and not that the magic are like some crazy special team, but, um, all, you know, pretty much every team from the NBA eventually kind of comes in there. So like, you know, we had when LeBron was still with Cleveland, you know, LeBron came in and we had obviously everyone from Miami heat, we had the golden state warriors. So we had all these huge athletes come in. And a lot of times there's these pref- press conferences and, Sometimes they'll do kind of these like different little warm up and showcase events as well as they do that stuff with players for the magic. And so when stuff like that happens, like there's not a lot of room for media to get the shot. So like you have to like you have to force your way in there to like get the shot. And like it's the same thing with like dealing with the people, you know, it's like like it's like for me when I was when I was there, I was like kind of like I was literally like fighting for my job in in a sense, you know, so I think that kind of just like trained me a little bit to where nowadays like it just doesn't even bother me. It's it's just kind of like second nature. I'm like, yeah, like I'm getting my shot. Like, sorry, like get out of my way. This is happening. (laughs) (laughs) Have you uh, have you ever done like concert videography before? Um, I've done a little bit, not a ton. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I mean the, that's something I've always been interested in doing, but it's it's like yeah, a hard you'd be good at that. it's a hard thing for me though because music is such a big influence in my life and it uh, music matters to me so much. Like I wouldn't want to miss the show, and so for me, like it's such a hard. <laughs> yeah. um, you just like forget why you're there. You're just like watching the side. Yeah, it, it's it, for me. It's like such a hard debate. Um, it's something I've always wanted to get into and do, but. I don't want to miss out on the experience. So what the way I've always thought about it is I want to do the music videos for all the big artists and I want to do so well that they just invite me to come backstage and check out their show. That's that's the goal for me. <laughs> that would be pretty nice, yeah. Yeah, but recording like stuff like that is a challenge. You know, this is my theory actually. I've been thinking about recently why um documentaries have become so, you know, popular all of a sudden. And um I think like in an age where you know, CG, like incredible looking CG is just so, such a normal standard in Hollywood and regular movies that yeah. I think now people are kind of craving this like authenticity. And I think watching through documentaries, that's what's so special about it is like how hard it is to actually record these scenes. And it's like yeah, guerrilla man. shooting and um, it's just so, it's just so real, you know? Yeah. That's one thing I love just, about it uh, myself. It's just really genuine and authentic. Um, I, I totally yeah. agree. I think that's something we all as, as humans naturally draw towards, you know, as we storytelling is just something that's lived through human nature since essentially the beginning of humans. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's how we've transferred history throughout time is storytelling. And I think so for us being able to, um, you know, vicariously experience a story or live through someone's story or really relate to it. Um, I think we just have such a real genuine interconnection to that. Um, and I think 
you know, that's something that really draws us all towards uh, documentaries. Um, and and I'm really, really happy about it, too. I mean, definitely, I, I think having that as well as just streaming has brought a huge rise to them. And I'm, I'm really grateful for yeah. that because there's there's so many important and meaningful stories and messages that need to be shared out there. Yeah, and you can share like a lot, a lot of new perspectives too, which I think is important. Um, that's why I feel, you know, I feel really bad for people who didn't really grow up with the internet at all because I can't even fathom the idea of like growing up in an area where it's like your surroundings were all you knew, except for if maybe you went to a library. But then again, it's like that would take forever. You know what I mean? To like yeah. learn all that through a book. So I can't even imagine. That's one thing I'm very thankful for. Um, yeah, man. How did you How did you even get started into filmmaking? Actually, I think I asked you this before, but did you like get inspired through like YouTubers back in the day? Um, it's kind of hard to like. It's a multifaceted thing. So I think I really found a love for um, filmmaking through music videos. What I distinctly mm. remember is, you know, when I was a little kid, I was obsessed with watching music videos in the morning. Every morning I would come downstairs, I'd grab my bowl of cereal <laughs> and I'd be eyes glued to the screen watching VH1. And when VH1 jumped to commercial, it was the MTV. And then I was watching the music videos on mm. there and then jumping over to VH1. And I did that till the school bus came and then I bolted down the street to the school bus. Um, you know, so I just always, I've always been extremely, it takes it back to what I was talking about earlier with music. You know, I've always been extremely passionate about music and if I was capable of being an artist, I think that's what I would be 100%. But it's, uh, hmm. you know, it's kind of like um, we uh, we don't always, you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need kind of thing. You know, I think I always wanted to be yeah. an artist, but really, you know, I think what I need and what I was meant to do is to be a storyteller through through the visual format um, and been blessed been blessed to do so really um, but it was it was really that and then I just always love making videos you know so I mean ever since I was 14 years old I've been making videos with my friends you know we'd, we'd uh, steal my dad's video camera at, at night on the weekends <laughs> run down to the basement and we'd make you know stupid videos about uh, we had one character called blanket boy who's a superhero we did an arm wrestling promo <laughs> videos um, we did a lot of comedy parody stuff uh, we did a comedy parody off of saw it, uh, just a bunch of oh, no. bunch of ridiculous <laughs> stuff that is in the vault that one day may be shared with can y'all, we, uh, but we'll see. Yeah, can we upload some of these? <laughs> down down the road. I, I do intend to release them, actually, um, with kind of a, a bigger, more purpose uh, project, but I want to wait till I get a couple more age, uh, a couple more years under my belt. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so let's talk about, um, you know, when we're discussing about, like, the importance of doing behind the scenes photos. And I think this is something I've noticed too. We can link this back to entrepreneurship. Um, you know, one thing I've noticed with you and your page is um, you're, you're always having photos of you during production to promote yourself. Um, can you talk about like why you do that? Because I, th- I think that's a very um, interesting thing that a lot of people could learn from. Yeah, and so I think, I think for me it's really um, it's all about, again, like thinking about it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, a business mindset and think about it in regards to longevity. You know, I'm always um, I'm always thinking and planning in macro, but acting in micro. So day by day, I am hustling, I'm grinding, I'm accomplishing as much as I can, as much as possible. But 
I'm planning for things and waiting patiently for things to happen and take place in the long run. And so BTS is something that falls under that. You know, I'm constantly, I want to make sure on every single set, every single production I'm a part of that I'm getting BTS content because I want to share with people my journey. I want to show them my journey. I think there's two ways you can kind of really draw on an audience. It's either by um, sharing your success story. Um, So sharing your story of validation, how you succeeded. Um, And so I don't think I'm personally in a position to do that. You know, I'm not a 35 year old multimillionaire who's worked on (laughs) these huge value (laughs) production sets and won Grammys. And so I don't have that um, success and validated story yet. And so what I'm doing right now is I'm sharing people, I'm sharing my journey with people. And I think that's an exciting way to get people to kind of join along for the ride and, and kind of show them what I'm learning along the way. And my plan with that is, again, to be able to show the process, um, show what I'm doing, how I make things happen, um, the way I think, the way I act. So people fall in love with not just my work, because, you know, at the end of the day, I think anyone can kind of do video work, but have people fall in love with me for me, you know, my personality, my style, who I am and what I represent, and what I value as a human, as a human. I'll say that again. Um, because I think that's really what it does at the end of the day is it's allowing people to really get to know me as a genuine person, what I really love about filmmaking, what I'm really passionate about, what I really um, you know, want to accomplish and do. And again, I think talking about the long run at, at the end of the day, I think, again, I think that people will love that and, and hopefully join along the journey and down the road. I can then use that leverage, that audience, this um Colossal following I've hopefully built, if you will, you know, to be able to leverage towards <laughs> other businesses, uh, other ventures I take on. So if I launch a new podcast or I launch a clothing line, I can I can tell my people, you know, hey, check this out. Or if I've got a buddy who starts up a business, I can give them a shout. You know, yeah. I'm able to help myself as well as uh, as well as other people out. You know, and and just benefit things a lot easier, faster. Um, and yeah, it it just does great for business. And and for me again, you know, I just really love the process, and so I love being able to show and show uh, showcase and share that with people yeah i think that's something that's like that's definitely neglected um a little bit too much in terms of like the creative areas um like when you were telling me this the first thing i thought of is um you know when uh the rapper logic came out with a book and it became like number one best-selling like instantly because of his brand yep you know obviously people love his music but they mostly love him for him and it doesn't matter what he does it can be successful and that is a powerful thing. <laughs> if Drake so, yeah, if Drake sure. posted a photo on Instagram today of a brand new T-shirt, you know he'd probably make. Oh. I yeah. don't even know eighty thousand dollars in sales simply off of people just being like, "Oh, Drake's wearing it or Drake <laughs> made it. I'm buying it." You know, and so, yeah, man, it's just about being able to have that level of influence. Um, but with that, you know, obviously becomes uh, comes a lot of responsibility as well. And so I think you know, yeah. part of that is my responsibility is you know to to use my platform. Um, in a beneficial way, um, socially, emotionally, mentally to, uh, you know, help other people, um, build them up. You can reach one, teach one. Yeah, exactly. And then also yeah, by that, you build a community where you grow stronger and, um, teaching others definitely helps you learn it better too. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> okay, cool. I, yeah, I was uh, I was going to kind of jump back into the documentary a little bit. I was curious, I guess, where did this idea originally come from for you? Um, and, yeah. and what was yeah, it like? Yeah, we about that. <laughs> um, what was it like, uh, you know, like 
developing it like help help our listeners out here what if someone's trying to make a documentary like a feature length and they want to get on amazon like it sounds so incredibly overwhelming to like even think of where to begin with that help our audience out like how did you get the ball rolling what were your first couple of steps what were the actionable steps you took that really got things going for you yeah i'm glad you brought that up um especially when we talked about leverage so um so I just turned 20 years old. It was uh, April, and um, I just released a documentary before then. And I was thinking to myself, you know, you know how it is. Like you want to make sure that you have a project lined up after the next one because if you're not working on something as a creative, it kind of eats you alive a bit. You always have to be working on something creative. So one hundo. Um, I started. Yeah, yeah. So I started thinking about okay, what do I need to? You know, what should I do next? I didn't really have anything lined up, and so I was kind of looking through, and I always kind of had like interest in food trucks i always thought you know man those owners have to have some crazy stories because i just thought to myself who just gets up one day and just like starts a food truck um and so when kind of developing this idea the first thing i thought to myself i actually remember i I was um just going for a walk and i was typing in my notes and i started thinking about okay here's this last film i made um it was definitely a huge improvement but how can i take this and make sure that it's like completely next level to, you know, raise the leverage. Um, and so I thought to myself, okay, I should try to get this on Amazon. I think I'm ready. I want to have, you know, I want to have a cinematographer on this so it looks really good. I want to have a sound person. And also I thought to myself, this is an important thing, I think, for filmmaking. You know, when you try to become a director, the biggest issue is like, you need experience, but no one wants to hire a director with no experience. You know, this is like, the whole concept for spec work so i thought to myself um you know if i'm directing this quote unquote it's like i need to have a crew that i'm actually directing because in the past i was always just making it myself and then i realized the director title didn't make sense because i'm not directing anyone (laughs) you're directing yourself (laughs) yeah so i was like it's not very impressive um so you know once again that experience so i just started reaching out and um you're actually the first person i thought of um i was thinking about okay who can I trust with the cinematography? Because I'm sure you can relate to this. Um, when you're so used to making everything yourself, it's kind of hard to like give up control, like creative control. Oh my and, gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And if they're not, like you want to make sure that they're at least good as you, but you also, also want to make sure it's someone better than you. And so I instantly thought of you. And, um, you know, I think this is also a good lesson of like, you know, I became friends with you literally just through reaching out on Instagram. Um, so that's kind of, that can show people like, don't be afraid to message people. Like it's so easy to connect with other people now these days. It's incredible. But yeah. And then I reached out to Emma and uh, the first steps I took was just kind of, I think the first thing I did was I looked up food trucks in Orlando and I looked up on Yelp, like what are the top ones? What are the most successful ones? And, um, yeah, then I met with a la carte and so uh, it, it sounds the way you made it the way you the the way you said it there it sounded like that's something you don't often do is like reach out to people through social media is that true oh like myself included yes um yeah i mean i try to these days um a little bit more but yeah it's something i don't do a lot um that's something i'm trying to get better is can like you, trying to yeah can you talk a little bit why because like i think it's important to talk about that briefly not just in regards to the film but like overall just like entrepreneurship as well as just like life success like i know for me personally relationships are fucking everything 
like <laughs> I I don't get any I don't get any business from SEO. I barely get like any I <laughs> yeah. don't get anything from just being a Google listing. Um I get some business here and there um from running ads, but literally like probably 90% of my work comes from word of mouth like just people hearing yeah, about definitely. me through someone else or like a friend showing another person like a video of mine um yeah and just like having a network of people where again it's kind of like you as a director like looking for a cinematographer so like me you know it, it's funny a lot of my projects i'm kind of that director or director of photography yeah, yeah. role and so i'm constantly looking for pas or gaffers or cinematographers or bts shooters so like it's so important to me to have not just quality relationships, but a huge um, network of, of creative individuals that I can rely on and reach out to for projects and work. What has been maybe a reason why you could talk a little bit why you're, you've been in the past, like hesitant to reach out, um, why you decided to maybe change that up a bit and what are some of the benefits you've seen as a result of it? Yeah. So like you said, um, I've come to realize like yeah relationships are a huge part of it um mostly for me it just comes from like my introverted nature um sure yeah i think you know what it probably has something to do with um i think it comes from just it's just a fear of rejection which is um a very common thing with people absolutely <clears throat> i think that's one of the scariest thing about entrepreneurship i think that's what I think that separates the people who succeed and don't succeed in entrepreneurship is, you know, the um, dealing with the failure or the fear of failure and the fear of rejection. Um, that's something I've gotten a lot better with, you know, especially I've also realized, like, as I've started to reach out more, like everyone is extremely nice. Um, you know, if you reach out to people and not asking for something like you want to be like, man, like your work is really good or like, um, what you did here inspired me is you know just something like like just talk like a normal human being you know don't try to ask yes. <laughs> ask for something um that's like the huge trick. i'm sure you get messages all the time like oh man can you can you repost this for me or like can i be under it's like yeah you gotta make an actual relationship and one thing i've also noticed um i went to film school and um one thing they jam down your throat is like networking 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 which is true um but i think there's also some value in figuring out like what a real connection is not just like hey here's my business card oh here's my business card and you guys never talk yes. ever you oh know my I mean? gosh it's yeah yeah i'm glad so like, i'm glad you, you bring you, that up because that that really is so true there is such a genuine difference between like just like exchanging contact information or something or like really like making and in you know putting forth the effort to like have a genuine relationship and exactly. connection with someone talk about the process of making sure this is um a legal and original production you know like what <laughs> what's it been like in regards to acquiring music um looking in regards to using sound effects um video yeah. effects like the whole post-production process um and, and making sure that you know you have and own all the rights to everything and can legally use everything how have you kind of um gone about that in regards to seeking out and finding you know composers to make music or or finding your music library and the sound effects where have you found the stuff how have you reserved it how have you cleared it out with amazon like help our audience out here how do you go about the post-production process on, on a documentary yeah so um thankfully with music um we had my friend craig um 
I think it's pronounced Cryro Music. Um, he's an incredible composer, which helped a lot on this um, that we worked with before. So going back to relationships, that was a huge thing. Um, and then, you know, with Amazon, it's like, yeah, you have to worry about copyright issues. So we made sure to like really only use like royalty free um, sound effects, but making sure that they're licensed properly, not just royalty free. I think a lot of people get that mixed up just because it's royalty free doesn't mean you can actually use it for free. <laughs> um, so I had to worry about that. And um, yeah, it was, it was, a you know, trying to, and we also had to worry about, you know, writing captions um, for the film, like close captioning. That was a huge, like, that that's never happened to me before. Um, and all these, you know, making a trailer for the first time. So I think the biggest lesson, um, I guess, to wrap this all up that I learned from this project was the importance of <clears throat> taking every step, even the smallest ones, and doing it like as well as possible, like making sure every detail is right because... Um, you know, you want people, this is when, when someone sees your work for the first time or sees your business or something like you want to make sure you leave the best impression possible and they're going to remember you for those little details. And, um, you know, the, the best thing, yeah, let me over. The best thing about that is that, um, that really pushed me to become a lot better. Um, starting this project, I knew I wasn't good enough to do this. That's why I threw myself in there to, forced myself to grow so it made me study film you know like one <clears throat> one series i studied a lot when making this was um chef's table on netflix um you'll see a lot of inspiration from that and so just studying that constantly and working on making sure like you said the shots are right and make sure the music fits all that came from just this external pressure and i think that's something um a lot of people could hopefully use and um you know if if you're scared about starting a business or starting some new venture just remember like it doesn't matter if you're not ready for it now you just have to throw yourself in there and then you'll grow and fit and make sure that you can achieve that so don't be afraid i mean yeah (laughs) what's what's the worst thing that happens you're going to be exactly where you were today exactly um one thing i love about gary v one thing gary v says is like you can always get a shit job later you know they're not going anywhere. Don't even get me started on on V. I could I could talk about Gary V all day. Yeah, I'm he's so the man. I'm so brainwashed. It's ridiculous. It's just a, <laughs> we read his uh, his most recent book. I, was, I think it's like Crushing It. Uh, I've read Crush It, but if he made yeah, it's like the sequel to that. Yeah, if he made, I don't I don't think I've read the sequel yet, but I might I might have to pick it up. But like, it's weird because Gary is such a contradiction. He's turned me into a contradiction. So mm. you know, like he he talks so much about like do do do, and so like that's what I want to do is just do. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like oh, but I want to pick up this book to like further my education and stuff. But at the same time, mm. like. He's like I don't know. It's it's all about the balancing act, is what I really think it is. But yeah. but um, well, I'm a firm believer in, in I guess what he's really talking about, and it takes it back to what you mentioned. You know, is like stop talking about it, stop watching videos, and learning how to make a documentary, yeah. and like go make a documentary. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. how you're really gonna learn. And I mean that's with like I think almost anything in life. I know for me as a 
as a filmmaker. You know, yes, I went to school for screenwriting and producing, um, but they pretty much never put our hands on a camera um, and pretty much never yeah. really had us editing. You know, we just watched PowerPoints and got lectured on the art of editing. These are the seven most common types of editing. Um, these are the yeah. general cuts they use, a J cut, here's an L cut, you know, et cetera. And so it was really just being talked at and never really self-applying and it was through the self-application that i really really learned everything and found my love and passion and my niche within the area do you think you found your niche within um filmmaking are you still trying to to find it like what has this documentary taught you about yourself Hmm, that's a great question um yeah i think this documentary has definitely forced me to question that and um I wouldn't say I found an exact uh, niche yet, but I think for me, this documentary showed me the importance of creating a story that really actually makes impact and like inspires. You know, one of my biggest pet peeves with documentaries is um, when it just becomes a film about complaining about something or something super negative. Like, I think it's totally fine to make something about a negative topic as long as you package it and wrap it up in a way where it's like there's hope and there's you know something good to come out of it you know one thing i love that for example jordan peterson talks about is the importance of inspiring the individual not trying to just make a statement and if you can inspire just one individual to make change and imagine if you do that with a bunch of people then you can actually make huge change it just takes like one person at a time um so i think for me that's what i'm focusing on so far is just just trying to put positivity out there but not in a corny way you know yeah man <laughs> yeah, it, so. it's interesting because i think i think deep down at the end of the day i think all of us as humans naturally like we kind of want the same things like you know i think we all want to have yeah. like a lasting legacy we want to have a support system we want to have a great group of friends we want to be loved um we want to love others um all these different kind of elements uh you know macro sense again like we all want to have a huge impact and inspire the world but we all like don't take the proper steps to to really change the world i guess like how to rephrase yeah. it better rephrase it is like we all want to change the world but like we all refuse we all skip the opportunity to change ourselves we skip the opportunity <laughs> to do the good little things because we're so focused on trying to do the amazing great things and so i think something yeah, exactly. that i've tried to like refocus on this year especially is like obviously like yes i want to have a huge platform like i want to have millions of people that I can speak to and inspire every day. But like, I also need to make sure I'm taking the opportunity to inspire the people I have the opportunity to, you know, engage with and inspire today, you know? So like I have a platform now, my platform might not be huge right now. Some of you might have a platform of only 15 people, but as you mentioned, you know, if you can really make a statement or put something out there that genuinely changes the life of just one out of those 15 people, well, then you've made a really yeah. big fucking difference in the world for better, you know? And I think a lot of times we all just, exactly. we neglect that and, and we just kind of take it for granted, really. Actually, um, one thing I do want to say real fast, um, when you talk about, um, you know, kind of niche stuff, <clears throat> the biggest thing I think I learned um, in terms of marketing in this film was the idea of really hammering down niche marketing. I mean, this is something like that's always kind of been said, but I, I finally started to understand it. Um, so with this project, the main focus was usually when I'm making films, I'm like trying to think, oh man, is everyone going to like this? Um, and I kind of just took the idea in my head and I, you know, 
kind of just thought, okay, um, here's this food truck audience, these people who love food trucks. I'm just going to focus on hitting their needs and kind of, yeah, just focusing on their market. Like, I don't care what anyone else thinks. It's just about these people. And so what I did early on was I um, went to the subreddit for food trucks and I just asked them directly straight to the audience. I asked them, like, what would you guys like to see in a food truck documentary? And so I took their ideas down and kind of use that to formulate the film and so what i hope to see is that um i hope to see that this film kind of starts by starts a conversation within the community um and then everyone in the community goes go see it and then hopefully when that happens it will build up you know sort of the algorithm for amazon based off ratings views watch time all this stuff and hopefully then reach a little bit broader audience um like you said like you got to start a little bit smaller and actually try to make the impact first um and yeah so yeah man i i love how you phrase that too i think that's so important obviously we all need to make content for ourselves but it's so 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 important to really be genuinely thinking about your audience best interest in mind and like making the content for your audience you know and so Sometimes I find myself caught up, you know, especially I do a lot of tutorial videos. um, And so sometimes I get caught up in focusing on the aspects that I really care about, like a big area I've been focusing on is lighting. But oftentimes when I'm in the post-production process and I'm reviewing, I'm like, dude, like you're spending three minutes talking about the same thing. But it's like (laughs) like it's not something that continues to add more value. It's just me continuing to rant on because I care about it so much myself. But I'm neglecting like adding more value to my audience, you know? And so like, I'm always trying to reformulate and like rethink that and keep that at the forefront of my mind. Um, and I just think that really, it really does a lot for the value of your production. Yeah. That's definitely the hardest thing about creative stuff. It's just like, it's so subjective that it, I think it's actually a skill to be able to like analyze like, okay, like this is how I see it. But like, let's take a step back and think like how do other people see this that's like the big you know this especially this is the biggest challenge with editing it's like when you see a shot a hundred times it's like you don't even see it correctly anymore so you have to try to remember like okay like where's like where are people going to be looking at this point in the shot or like what does this really look like to them and the vibe and that's one of the hardest parts so i'm glad you brought that up yeah yeah absolutely man let me ask you this as well did you did, was the story so after you finished the uh the interview process i know i wasn't there for all of the interviews did you feel like the story was made like the story was already there for you because oh, i know that's yeah. a big difference with docs too is sometimes the story's made before you get to post-production like you essentially know how it's yeah. going to flow <laughs> like the main character is going to guide it like what it's really focused around other times you think you have a story for a doc, then you start shooting it and you realize the story's gonna change entirely and then you get to post-production and you don't even know where to begin, you know? So like, where were you at in regards to the story? Did you have to develop it in post? And like, how did you go about doing that? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, this is something I wanted to talk about actually. So the funny thing is um, I had, like you said, a totally different vision of like what I wanted to do with the doc originally. Um, and then once I moved to North Carolina, I knew I wanted to do at least one more interview. <clears throat> um, and when editing, I started realizing like, man, like um, we hit certain points I really want to do, but I feel like it really lacked the um, 
I don't know, like kind of like a takeaway and like a real impact. Um, it had the ingredients to build one up, but it didn't have that final hit. And um, the funny thing is about documentary filmmaking, and usually you don't get the, um, you can't do something like this, but um, what I was able to do was like, I was like, okay, now that I understand like what I've edited so far, I was able to reach out to the third food truck and I wrote down what everything that I didn't get on the first two interviews. And I like hammered home like on that. And so, yeah, that's the beautiful thing about documentary filmmaking is like it is literally made in the edit, like no matter what. It doesn't matter how much you plan it out, like it will grow into a life of its own, which is definitely the challenging part for sure. Yeah, that's like, you know, that's part of the fun. I mean, like you said before, editing or just filmmaking in general is just like figuring out problems. It's creative problem solving. And um, there's not a better feeling than when you finally figure something out with something like that. Yeah, man. Yeah, I just I was really curious about that because I know the last documentary I did it was so it was a documentary project on the RNLI, which is the Royal National Lifeguard Institute, um, essentially for anyone under the British Empire. Um, but essentially, these people are all like what would be in the U.S. like volunteer firefighters. But for instance, like if there's a crazy storm out, you know, out off the shores of Ireland and this small sailboat's getting, you know, ripped to shit. Like they go out to save of life, <laughs> save that guy's life, like and risk their own, and like they're not getting paid at all. So like, crazy, awesome story. Um, yeah, but me and my buddy, like, we did all these interviews. We had like fifty minutes plus of content, and like this was all when I was in school still, Whoa. so I was like studying abroad, and so like we had to transcribe all of it. And then we had to go through and we had to pick like all the phrases and points that they said that we really loved. And like we used, we grabbed those and then we put those in the order and that's how we made and built out our story. Um, And so that's how I was like originally taught and through school of like building out like an actual feature length documentary story. And so like that was a very, very daunting and challenging task um yeah and somewhat boring but it really i like i hated transcribing it but man did it make it so easy and like putting the story together so i was just really curious you know like how that process worked for you and like if you had the story built out or not um awesome so glad to hear it um doc is almost done can we get an idea can our audience get an idea of a release date are we able to share that yeah so i probably shouldn't say it but i'm gonna say it anyway um so yeah so um the film um the trailer is currently out um and you can pretty much watch the film on september 29th um if you guys want to sign up for the newsletter or something to receive updates on it um you can visit that at uh, foodtruckchefsfilm.com i'm sure kyle will leave a link for that um and yeah i'm very excited for it to come out um we did, I think we worked really hard on it, me and Kyle especially. Um, and I'm just very excited to share this with you guys and um, yeah, grow with you. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, I cannot wait to see the uh, final result and be able to, you know, share it with everyone and hopefully, uh, you know, inspire as well as showcase and share yeah. people uh, a little more about the process, difficulties, um, you know, positives and negatives of, of owning, running a food truck. Yeah. And also, I'll, I'll have a, uh, kind of like a a making of little video it's not like super detailed but i made sure to record shots while we're recording this editing um a little bit of pre-production so i think that'd be really cool um if people want to see that and get inspired and 
yeah yeah absolutely well, I appreciate you come, or bring me on yeah thanks for coming on man um lastly where can uh people find you and uh your work if, if they want to uh check you out that is a great question so pretty much you can just find me on instagram and facebook um and youtube actually you can find me um at agen visuals that's a-g-i-n visuals and you can do the same for youtube and actually you'll find the trailer on moribund studios youtube page um so yeah all right. I don't know why I keep I keep ending every answer with so yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> a, it's a, it's human nature. It's just like our ums and likes. We it just naturally comes yeah. out. It's, it's all good. But see, we're we're gonna get through it by just getting out there and doing it, and we'll learn from experience. You know. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Hey, thanks so much for coming on, Nathan. Um, really, really appreciate it, man. Uh, super excited for the doc. Think everyone's gonna love it. Can't wait to share and showcase it. Um, thanks for everyone for listening. This has been another incredible episode of the Festive Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe.